Welcome back to Out of the Blue podcast with Celine in the Blue. We almost have a full house here. We're recording the podcast in a different way today. We're huh. all doing long distance. We're over a call. Yeah. So hopefully this will work. Hey. Actually, Miles is on the call, but he's not going to be recording because he can't get his interface to work. But it's fine, you know? It's almost a full house. Bit of a rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, how are you guys doing? Surviving. Very good. Surviving the quarantine. Surviving, yes. We're all in quarantine. Um, but today we are going to be recording um, Inez's interview in, a, in the hot seat. A deep dive into Inez's mind. Yes. Oh, man. That is a very sad dive. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we're we're going to find out. I'm sure it isn't. But yeah, so um, with every interview, with every hot seat interview, we always ask, what are the main things about you? What, what's your profile? What would you put in your dating app profile, Inea? Oh, man, that's a very cheeky question. My name is Inea. I'm 23, almost 24. I'm a musician and jack of all trades. How can you be almost 24 when your birthday is in November? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get away with any of that stuff this today. <laughs> I'm almost 24. Sure. I'm taking into account the week that it takes to, to make the podcast, you know? Oh, are you shading me for how long it takes me to post these? No, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Anywho, 23, musician, pianist, songwriter, uh, really into arts and really into dancing. Dancing? Yeah. You're, into, you're actually into dancing? Yeah, and he's really good at dancing. I've seen him dance. He's really good at dancing. Okay, what kind of dancing is that? Uh, literally anything, but if I had to choose my favorites, it would be... I don't know the technical terms, so I'm not that into them. I see. Okay, well, so next uh, next week we play, we're going to get a little uh, little performance out of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. I don't know how you guys never knew this. I, I didn't know. I had no idea. Really? That's so strange. Um, what else? What else? Give us more. More juice. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I'm Italian slash Albanian. Mm -hmm. Like, my parents mm -hmm. are from Albania. And I was born and raised in Italy, so my personality is very complicated. Be aware of that. What do you mean by complicated? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just okay. uh, slightly eccentric at times. What was it like uh, moving from Italy to England? Mm. Oh, but, you know, I didn't move from Italy to England. I moved from Germany to England. Okay. Just moving to England was very eye-opening because I felt like I was growing up. I was 19. I had finished working in Germany for a few months. And this was my first move abroad in solo. Whereabouts in Germany did you move to? Landstein, Koblenz. Ah, Koblenz. Yeah, Koblenz is a city around 100 uh, kilometers from uh, Frankfurt. After I worked there for around six months, I moved to England. And the whole thing was just different because I was on my own. Having to pay a rent for the first time, having to find a job on my own yeah, yeah, yeah. was really good, really different. And obviously being, being young, I felt really good about it. I was like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> and do you feel differently right now? Oh, yeah. I've moved back in with my parents. So I feel like I'm regressing a little bit. I miss that independence. <laughs> I'm sure that's not a, a regression, though. It's an amazing way to beef up your bank account. <laughs> like, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've been using this. I've been using this to buy some really, really good gear. You know? Okay, clever, clever way. Mm. Um, so what kind of work did you do in Germany? Oh, Germany, I just worked as a waiter seven days, seven days a week. Seven days a week? Yeah, and Hustle I learned in. how to play guitar. Oh. My whole six months there, I just worked and spent the time back home, like in the house to play guitar. And I auditioned for ACM actually via Skype, kind of what we're doing right now. Oh, okay. The interview was so weird because looking back on the songs, they were awful. And the songs were just like two chord songs boring <laughs> oh good times 
good times. <laughs> okay, so how do you think your songwriting has progressed? You know, you mentioning that your first songs, the ones that you auditioned with, were like two chord songs, nothing too special. Um, and now you're a jazz head. You keep saying that. So what happened? <laughs> now, I would not want to blow my own horn, but I feel like I've progressed quite a lot during during this year, which is only normal because yeah. it's a music university, cool. you know? Like, you, you have to progress. But the main differences I see is in me kind of finding my place in terms of what I write when songwriting, which is mainly chords. When I started ACM, I would try to write melodies and lyrics and everything. And uh, being in ACM, having a team good like yours, I kind of found my place in the band as chord guru. Chord guru. Mm, that's a great position name. I love it. You're the chord guru. No, it's true. I like it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, me too. And therefore, I only like prefer to, to write that. I still write my own songs with melodies and everything but being the chord guy is what i like to do more yeah it's like my favorite part of it yeah you know actually what this made me think of something that when we were a music union we were obviously surrounded by so many musicians right yeah uh but usually when you're back home at school where it's not a music school you're usually the music kid you know i, I bet you guys were the <sighs> music kids in your schools yeah. or at least i know that anea was for sure and in that situation you're kind of forced to be everything to be the chord guru to be the lyric guru top line melody guru and i feel like you're really liking this term aren't you yeah well, i'm loving the guru <laughs> um but when you're put in a music uni you give, you're given the opportunity to find yourself a team that's going to enhance what you do Fill the spaces. Yeah, there's, it's going to fill the spaces and you really f do find your place. And I think that's the best way to work in a music yeah. team is to kind of place people where they best shine and where they can best be elevated. Yeah, I totally agree because I feel like back in school before ACM, being a jack of all trades, uh, you need to kind of sort out your music stuff all by yourself. And I was into arts as well and uh, martial arts and all of this stuff. So literally I was doing everything and yet I was good at nothing basically. That's the way I saw it a little bit. So yeah, finding your place as a musician or as a person just improves your progression so much, makes it so much quicker and easier to, to learn more stuff, especially the stuff that you want. Because, you know, when you're learning, you tend to stumble across very different things and you it's an 80-20 kind of progression, like 20% of the practice and learning makes up for 80% of what you're actually going to use in your life. Cool. All right. So you often say that up until you went to uni, or at least, you know, when you were in Germany, you started learning the guitar. So before that, your life wasn't as music filled as it is now. So how did you used to fill in your time? All right. So back, back in my teenage years, as I, as I was mentioning, I used to do a little bit of everything. So my week would usually be Monday piano lessons, Tuesday and Thursdays I would have martial arts, which was jiu-jitsu and like I would keep in shape. Then Wednesdays I would do this thing called oratorio in Italian, which is... It's like a camp, is it? No, yeah, is it's it like a church sort, camp? Yeah, it's like a church camp, but I was like the entertainer for the little kids where you would like organize events for them. Like uh, I was doing football games and music things as well. And sorry, we said Wednesdays and then like gospel choir. I used to go to painting. Uh, my week was like was full with activities. So I was never only doing Wait one second. thing. Wait a second. Gospel choir. Yes. You never knew this. I didn't know that. 
gospel choir is one of the reasons I chose to do music. There was this teacher who was incredible called Graziano Lazzari, and uh, he was just such an inspirational guy. Like uh, the passion that he had for music and for teaching, he kind of drove me into doing what I'm doing today. He and a few other friends, but I did gospel choir for a few years and it was really, really good fun. Even though I couldn't sing for, like, I, I couldn't sing. <laughs> I can't sing now, but it was good fun. I guess if you're uh, surrounded by people who sing, you can get away with it, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was that was pretty much my week. And then the weekend, I would go out, maybe have a football match. You were a busy kid. Yeah, busy kid. It was, it was real, real good fun. I missed the amount of energy that I had because people used to wonder... How are you never tired? And I don't know. I was never tired. I'm not. I'm never tired now as well. But like it was way more impressive when I was doing stuff. You know. My God, I wonder. Like you have so much energy now. I yeah. Oh my. You were like Your energy levels are, are not lacking. <laughs> I wish I could have some of that. <laughs> I I just wish I I could have that kind of routine back where I do so much stuff. But you know, England. I feel like because of work and everything, I just. So basically, you're loving quarantine right now. I am loving quarantine. Oh, you are. I have been circling between instruments and projects. And it's been real good fun. Like, um, I've started doing a, oh, I don't know the name for it. So I have a friend who does plays, like theater plays, and he's asking me to do not the scenography, but the storyboard, storyboard, my God. The <laughs> I see. And uh, yeah, that's been really fun. I've been playing a lot of bass. Sorry, Elliot, I've been playing a lot of Dean Town. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> So Elliot just left the room because he was having a little cough situation. Yep. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He will surely join us. But anyway, Jay, do you have something to ask? Oh, I did have something. I just can't think of it anymore. I did have a question. Yes, you know, it's really hard to interview someone that you know very well because... You don't know what to ask. For yeah. you, everything's kind of obvious. Yeah, it's really hard to kind of portray an illustration to to a new audience and uh so we're okay. struggling oh Jero has something so um as you say you were a bit of a, a jack of all trades playing this playing that playing here playing there so i wondered if you could choose one instrument aside from keys that you could master which one would it be right now it will be bass super obsessed obsessed with bass right now yeah man it's just such a lovely instrument to to play like it's the feel of it it's um the range what you can do with it the fact that you kind of hold the rhythm which is a sector that i really struggle with so if i could master it then i'd be a happy person you know yeah so you you say that you struggle with um with keeping time and timing and stuff like that but personally i don't think i don't think it's that bad i mean i Obviously, yeah, if you play something out of time, I'll, nine out of ten times I'll notice, but it actually doesn't happen that much. I just think that Enea gets carried away from feel, and then that's when the timing goes off. But Would you agree with that, Enea? I, yeah, I feel like that happens usually when I'm thinking harmonies that, are not in, that have not been decided yet. So when my brain switches to, okay, let's find a cool chord, then my legs start... And you lose the timing. Yeah, starts tapping to another song. I see. Multitasking. Okay, so if you, but if you if you play to a click and you focus on the timing, you can get it right. I believe so. Don't make me swear by it, but I think so. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. Just asking. <laughs> you would hope so. Yeah, no, I think you did fine in the studio recording. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, I don't think you had any uh, awful uh, problems with keeping in time to the click. No, I think you just did your takes. 
some were better than others, but that's for everyone. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, since we're talking about you know recording with the studio and the band and all, um, how has your life changed since you've been in a band? What do you love about the band? What do you hate about the band? How has it changed? Yeah, you? What do you hate about the band? Oh, <laughs> all right. Let's let's start with the good things. So the good things about uh, being in the band. For me, it's been the discovery of very new music. I feel like getting to be close musically with new people, it just inspires you to listen to new stuff, to discover new ideas, to start thinking your craft through the other members' perspective. So when I'm now thinking of like playing something, I'm thinking, okay, there's the bass here, there's guitar there, where do I sit? And I feel that's that's an amazing thing. and. You kind of lose a little bit because I'm a pianist, so I usually do everything on my own. Just having to use one hand at the time and allow to chill and enjoy the music is incredible. So I love the band on that term. And uh, it's a great little family, which is another thing because we're not just yeah. a band. We're really good friends, I hope. Yeah. 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 I think we can consider ourselves lucky. Yeah. For sure. Um, having, you know, having this set up and uh, being very close friends mm-hmm. outside of the band as well. Which is great, yeah. Another amazing thing about being in, in the band is the chance to have a very honest opinion on what you're doing right and wrong. Because when on your, when on you're playing on your own, it's easy to get carried away and not really listen to the little mistakes. But especially with a band, I feel like we started being more honest regarding yeah. um, our playing and our writing. And you basically get five pair, pairs of ears instead of one, which is which is really good. Mm. But honestly, I don't think that the fact that we are honest with each other and give each other constructive criticism is the biggest thing here. I feel like because we are in a band, we are more... Uh, self-aware of how our playing might affect the others and we start thinking about what other members might think of our work and contribution. So I guess that being an ensemble encourages uh, self-awareness more than anything. It does, it does. Yeah, but I feel I feel like you can always kind of fill the room when you, when you mess up yeah. or when you choose to play something that wasn't really liked. We call that vibing in jazz. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> <laughs> You, you can get the vibe and, uh, and really feel it when you did something wrong. And I think it goes both ways. I think it's, yeah, uh, as a person joining a band, you, you, you do get very aware about what you're playing. Um, you know, maybe not wanting to draw too much outside the lines at first, trying to stick to your part and really make it sit in the song. But then at the same time, what Anaya's saying is also true, where, especially when I cut my finger, uh, and we still had a rehearsal, obviously I wasn't playing, but that really gave me some time to um, to have a listen, to really just listen to what everyone's doing, yeah, and yeah. see if I fully agree with everything. Obviously, if I didn't, then I wasn't going to be like, "Oh, you played this wrong." But <laughs> more like, okay, let's suggest something that maybe makes this better. Yeah, you know, from a listening perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, a skill you develop by joining a band. So I really get that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so those were some of the highlights. What are some of the band's downsides? The downsides. Oh. I think the downsides in our case, it could be the fact that we're really close, so we might hesitate to say when something is wrong. No, I won't. not to bring the whole <laughs> mood down. I I think I still I still say uh, what I mean and mean what I say, even if we're close friends. I think mm. that's that's yeah. just me. 
But yeah, no, I get it though. Yeah, I guess that for some people it can be hard to communicate with the friends in a work environment where it's hard to identify and draw the line of where the two different worlds meet and separate. I know I sometimes hesitate expressing concerns in the work side of things because I'm scared yeah. that maybe like it may affect the friendship side. So yeah. I totally get yeah. you on that. So yeah, you might become a little biased in terms of feedback. Okay, yeah, that's definitely true. I get that. <laughs> All right. Um, so I have another question for you, Anna. I'd like you to paint us two pictures, both looking at the future in around 10 years, I'd say. So what would your situation look like first in a band scenario and then just in general? So in 10 years, how and what do you see yourself doing? All right. So the thing is, I have some sort of time limit for what I'm doing. Like I feel I'm not sure whether I've mentioned this to you guys, but I want to do music live and performing up until I'm 30, 31, 32, mm. and then I want to settle down. Okay. Like my plan is enjoy everything that I can about being in a band and being a touring musician now that I'm young. Mm -hmm. And then I'd love to get into teaching because I want to have a home life. Okay, so you've set, you've set a target for yourself. You've set a, a time limit. Yeah, almost a time limit. Okay, I, d I didn't know that. So how come, how come 30, 35? Is that just um, the age? You know that's you... only in seven, eight years, right? It's not crazy long. <laughs> I'm aware of that. Okay. But okay. I want to be able to experience life as a musician as fully as I can now that I'm young. But mm. I do not want that for myself for my whole life. So that's interesting because what if uh, what if the band doesn't actually kick off and we don't start touring until we're 30 to 35, yeah. which might well happen. Obviously, we hope mm. it's, it's sooner than that. But yeah. what if you turn 35 and we, we then plan in our first decent tour? I don't know. That's a tricky question for a future me. But <laughs> yeah, but only present you can answer it as well as you that's can. True. Yeah, absolutely. I think in that case, I'll have to evaluate where I'm at with, uh, with the other side of my life and see what's worth doing. Okay. I mean, worst case scenario, I can still ride with you guys. It's not like I'm going to disappear into nothingness it's just i won't be touring with you if if that's the case if i decide to decline the tour you know Ooh, that's something to look out for uh what blow in the stomach no but i think we'll be fine either way yeah also i knew you were sort of thinking about this but i didn't know you had ultimately decided <laughs> no i have i have not decided i have not decided is just the plan okay yeah fair enough but I mean, on the other hand, I think it's good to have such a strict plan because it helps with determination during the process. Yeah. With the process and with drive, just knowing that I don't have uh, a lot of time in being a musician, it just like pushes me to study as much as I can now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was your music band scenario in 10 years. What about your life in general? So how is it, how is that going to look like in 10 years? All right. So there's the scenario where my home life is not happening and then we're touring. I, I would mm -hmm. hope at least in a UK tour. If it's European, very amazing. But I think we might get quite good work together. If it is a home life uh, scenario, it could be either teaching or working with different artists uh, from home, like songwriter or like working on projects, recording stuff. But uh, it would be more located to where I live in comparison to having to move places every day. Either yeah. way, I'll be doing music. Well, that's a bit comfortable then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was wondering what music did you grow up with slash what did your parents always play in the car, for example? Oh, man, I actually grew up <laughs> with uh, music from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and early 2000s because my father used, used to be a lot into music. So I remember listening to Cat Stevens, to Lionel Richie, a lot of Stevie Wonder in the car. And then as a teenager, I discovered Sound 41, 
like some forty one. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think you'd be into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Fair enough. I was into them for a little short while, yeah. and then uh, I got deeper into this this genre. I remember listening to Three Days Grace. And that's the heaviest stuff going, I think. And then I discovered Bruno Mars. I had this whole phase where I loved Very interesting Bruno Mars. But this was, my friend, this was during his first album, where his song would be like kind of a tune, but with a piano rather than guitar. Yeah. The very, the very first album. Oh, yeah. Actually, I just found another song from him, like lately. After Bruno Mars, there was a Maroon 5 period. Mm-hmm. A very short John Mayer, but I was only listen- listening to Continuum. Yeah, okay. I had John Mayer, just the third album. Then I had Jason Ross at Sheeran. Man, fourth year of high school at at Sheeran came out. I listened to Give Me Love. And I am so sorry I've ever liked him that much. (laughs) Why? 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 I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's a world-class musician and songwriter. Yeah. I don't think you should be ashamed. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's insane, (laughs) so you shouldn't be ashamed of loving his music unless you're, I don't know, missing something out in the description of the obsession you had. (laughs) That you're now a bit ashamed. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I should have mentioned before I started name dropping is that I usually listen to everything that an artist has to offer for a long Mm. time. So Mm -hmm. these were over the course of years, I would only listen to one person a year, you know? Right, okay, so you'd listen to everything they did. And then it was The weekend, and now, thanks to you guys, <laughs> I'm expanding my horizon with a thousand different bands, <laughs> but at the apex nice. of this beautiful mountain, there's Theo Katzman. Oh, I yeah. want and only Theo Katzman. <laughs> he is a bit of a genius. Mm. He yeah, man, he is. he is the man. He's too good to be true. All right. Um, that was super interesting getting into your jazz head, Anea. Thank you for answering all of our questions. Pleasure. Um, Elliot still didn't make it back into today's episode, so I hope he's doing all right with his cough attack. No, um, he's fine. Don't worry about him. Yeah, he's fine. We're going to have to find a new drummer. <laughs> no. Please make sure Elliot is okay. Don't worry. He's all good. Yeah, we'll check up on him after we're done with this. But yeah, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much to Anil for sitting in the hot seat today. I really enjoyed talking to you. So Thank I. you, Jay, for hosting this episode uh-huh. with me. No worries. Thank of you course. to you listening. It's always a pleasure to have you sit through this podcast with us and until next time have a lovely rest of the day Mm